I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Marcus Bronzy here for Trek Culture. Now, with Picard out, make sure you check out Adam Cleary's Ups and Downs, thank you very much, really good show. Audiences were introduced to a darker version of Starfleet. And you may even believe that this is the darkest time in Starfleet's history. But the truth is, Starfleet, with all of its high-minded ideals, has never been above brazen acts of evil. And this is especially true during times of war. More than once, Starfleet has acted with a shameless and wicked intent. And this behaviour stretches back to the era of Captain Archer and the NX-01. And almost occurs in every single generation beyond that. So, we seek new life and new civilizations, But mess with us, or we might kill you. Top 10 most evil things Starfleet has ever done. Number 10. Creating a weapon of mass destruction, ironically called the Genesis device. Now, don't believe what Starfleet tells you about the Genesis device from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Its creator, Dr. Carol Marcus, would have you think it's a benign tool for terraforming barren planets, just another harmless instrument of space exploration. But, as Spock points out, in the wrong hands, this device could be used as a weapon of immense power. The Genesis device breaks down a planet's surface at a subatomic level and then it reshapes those same particles into an atmosphere more suitable for humans. The problem comes when someone, maybe like a genetically modified super soldier, wants to use the device on a populated world. In this case, Starfleet could theoretically murder an entire population. Oh, uh, and they get the bonus of gaining a new planet to colonise at the same time. It took Spock about three seconds to imagine this scenario, and to be fair, it probably took the admirals at Starfleet even less time. So don't assume any innocence here. Genesis device. Not evil at all, alright? Number 9. Stealing a warp coil and stranding an innocent crew in space. After a devastating attack by the dreaded Zindi, the Enterprise NX-01 is stranded without a functioning warp drive. And with the Zindi regrouping, Captain Archer knows he has little time to get his ship up and running. To add to the complications, they receive a distress call from a badly damaged vessel. Always ready with a helping hand, the Starfleet crew intercept the other ship. Once they meet, Archer sees that the other ship has the answer to his prayers, so he proposes a trade with the captain of the damaged vessel. Enterprise will send over some valuable supplies in exchange for a warp coil. But there's only one problem. Giving up their only warp coil will strand the other crew three years from their home planet. So somewhat naturally, the opposing captain says no. Archer can think of only one solution. They become space pirates. With an armed boarding party, he invades the other ship steals the much-needed warp coil, thus stranding a group of innocent spacefarers years from their home. 
Real classy, Starfleet. Number eight, scheming to destroy the Klingon homeworld and commit genocide. Gen this is Starfleet we're talking about. In the final days of the Klingon war, things are looking pretty grim for the Federation. The Klingons have invaded much of the Federation space and Starfleet is on their heels fighting to hold on to what little territory they have left. And the Klingon fleet is barreling straight for Earth. Luckily for Starfleet, that kooky shit discovery arrives just in time, fresh back from the Mirror Universe, and they've brought with them an important resource. The evil Terran Empress, Philippa Giorgio. Giorgio makes Starfleet an offer that they can't refuse, give her command of the Discovery, and she'll defeat the Klingons. And they have a good reason to believe her. She did kill loads of Klingons in her universe. In fact, she pretty much decimated them totally. So what's the secret sauce, Philippa? Well, she used something called a hydro bomb to blow up the core of the Klingon homeworld Kronos. And how does Starfleet respond when she says that's what she'd like to do again? They dismiss it, right? Because that's just not a Starfleet thing to do. Wrong. They slap a command badge on her and send her on her way, hydro bomb in tow. In the end, Starfleet doesn't destroy Kronos, but they almost do. And more importantly, they intended to. The only thing that stops them is some quick thinking from our good old Michael Burnham. Number seven, engaging in biological warfare. Before there was Ducott, there was Michael Eddington, who served as Benjamin Sisko's chief of security aboard Deep Space Nine. That's until he decides to betray Starfleet to join the terrorist group, the Marquis. Once a terrorist, Eddington starts poisoning the atmospheres of Cardassian colonies. Sisko sees this as a personal affront and vows to track down and capture his former officer. Eddington proves to be a little bit too slippery though, and he embarrasses Sisko a little bit by luring him away from Deep Space Nine, and whilst he's gone, the Marquis attack another Starfleet vessel. At this point, Sisko's had enough. He realizes that Eddington sees himself as a romantic hero, so he decides he'll play the game. In fact, he'll play the part of the villain in his story. And you know what? Sisko plays it pretty well. He poisons the atmosphere of a Marquis colony, forcing the Marquis to mount a quick and desperate evacuation or die. Sisko then vows to poison every Marquis colony in, in the region until Eddington surrenders. So he gives himself up. Sisko may bend the rules, but he sure is efficient and he's a badass with it. Number six considering an act of genocide again, again. This one begins pretty innocently though. The crew of the Enterprise D finds a single Borg drone stranded on a remote planet and Dr. Crusher, the saint that she is, beams it back to sickbay. There she treats his injuries, gives him a biscuit and a cup of tea and much to the annoyance of Captain Picard who's still a little bit upset with the Borg because, well, they assimilated him, didn't they? Once he's away from the Collective, this drone seems pretty harmless though, and he soon becomes a curious oddity aboard the ship. He meets Commander Geordi LaForge, and what's the first thing these Starfleet officers consider? Training him up to join the crew? No. Instead, they go for, how can we turn this harmless drone into a weapon? The two men propose implanting an unsolvable mass equation into a drone's memory. So, when the Borg Collective process his memory, they'll grind to a halt trying to do the maths, and according to the two officers, implode, figuratively speaking. There's only one hiccup though. It turns out their little drone friend begins to rediscover his individuality, even giving himself a name, Hugh. Now, if Hugh can regain his humanity, it means all the Borg underneath him can. So beneath all of their cybernetic implants, 
they are human. So murdering them would violate a few more than one Starfleet moral standard. Don't you just hate it when your morals get in the way of some good old fashioned revenge on the Borg? Number five, imposing a Nazi regime on an innocent planet. <laughs> Sit back. This one is a doozy. Kirk and his crew are investigating the disappearance of a Federation cultural observer, John Gill. He's a former Starfleet Academy professor sent to study a primitive planet. The Enterprise arrives at Gill's station and is attacked by a thermonuclear weapon. Kirk deduces that Gill has been doing some meddling and that it's time to get him out of there. When Kirk and Spock get to the planet's surface, things prove to be worse than they expected. It turns out, Gil has converted the entire population of the planet into Nazis and they've declared war on a neighbouring planet's population, even planning their version of a final solution. Why has Gil, a seemingly thoughtful Starfleet expert, committed this heinous act? Well, as he tells it, the planet was in chaos when he arrived and all he wanted to do was bring order to the mayhem. So he decides to form a new government based on the most efficient one he could imagine. The Nazis! What? Number four, making a deal with the Borg to destroy an unknown species. Making your way back from the Delta Quadrant requires compromises, but a Starfleet officer should draw the line somewhere, right? Well, Voyager is 70,000 light years from Earth. Unfortunately, they have to travel through a massive expanse of Borg territory to get home. Chances are, they're not making it home before the entire crew is assimilated into the Collective. But there is hope. The crew of Voyager witness several Borg vessels destroyed by an alien ship. They discover that the Borg are at war with an advanced race known as Species 8472. And what luck, the Borg are losing. This is wonderful news, not only for Voyager, but for the entire Federation, because if 8472 wipes out the Collective, they'll save the galaxy from a looming existential threat from the Borg. So what do Captain Janeway and the crew of the Voyager do? Well, they make a deal with the Borg. Janeway offers to help defeat Species 8472 in exchange for safe passage through Borg space. Together, the Borg and the Voyager crew discover a way of defeating Species 8472. Too late, Janeway discovers that the Borg started the war with the 8472 species by invading their space. Also, the Borg plan to betray Voyager as soon as 8472 is dealt with. Not only is this an evil decision, it's a bad one. Number three, attempting an act of genocide. Genocide again. Sorry. Number three, attempting an act of genocide for the third time. The Dominion War was a tough time for Starfleet and the Federation. There was a constant threat of changing spies infiltrating the highest levels of the military and the government. Nowhere is Starfleet's desperation clearer than in Deep Space Nine's episode, Extreme Measures. And as any Trekkie knows, desperate measures call for Section 31. To Section 31, tactics like biological warfare and genocide, well, that's all just fair game. These guys deserve a video of their own. Anyway, this is exactly how Section 31 decides to deal with the changeling threat. By now, Starfleet has developed much more subtle ways to commit mass murder. One of the days of hydro bombs and unsolvable mass equations, Section 31 creates a biological A-bomb called the Morphogenic Plague. The plague is a tailor-made virus designed to wipe out the founder's species. Worst of all is how Section 31 inflicts their pandemic on the founders. They use Odo, the loyal ally of Starfleet. Odo has dedicated himself to protecting the Federation frontier, acting 
acting as a security constable on Deep Space Nine. Despite his loyalty, Section 31 turns Odo into Patient Zero for their plague. Unknowingly, Odo almost destroys his own entire race, turning your ally into a weapon of mass destruction. That's cold. Number two, Starfleet claiming Commander Data as their own property just so they can experiment on him. In the TNG episode, Measure of a Man, we're introduced to Commander Bruce Maddox, a cyberneticist. Maddox wants to recreate the positronic brain of Lieutenant Commander Data, Starfleet's only android officer. A noble goal, no doubt. But to this, Maddox asks to dismantle Data and back up his memory on a computer. Data says no, surprise, surprise, because he cites the real possibility that it might kill him. But Maddox is not a man who takes no for an answer. He asks Starfleet Command to order that Data undergo the experiment anyway. And they do. What's worse, Data says, fine, I'll just resign. And Starfleet say, no, you can't do that. They effectively state, we found you, Data, so we own you. By claiming ownership of a sentient being, Starfleet is tactically endorsing slavery. Except for his two brothers, Law and Before, Data is the only android of his kind, and he epitomizes the whole new life thing that Starfleet claims to be searching for. But Starfleet is apparently fine for ignoring that if it means they can get their hands on some juicy new positronic tech, or make their very own race of cybernetic slaves. And if they can recreate data, they'll have an entire race of people who have no rights under Federation law and who live only to serve humankind. Yeesh. And from what we've seen in Picard, thanks to a race of synthetic workers on Mars, this dark future has come to pass. Shame on you, Starfleet. Number one, committing espionage and murdering a Romulan senator. This is a deep one. Do peaceful ends justify horrible means? Captain Benjamin Sisko of the space station Deep Space Nine would answer yes. Sisko has a real problem. Starfleet is losing the war with the invading Dominion. He needs to quell this tide of war, but to do this, he needs the Romulan Star Empire's help. However, the Romulans have signed a non-aggression pact with the Dominion. They're perfectly content to sit back and watch their enemies tear each other to pieces. It's the Romulan way. Still. Sisko can't ignore the chance of gaining the Romulans as an ally. If only he could show them that the Dominion would betray their Romulan buddies. He has no proof of this though. So he calls on the aid of former Cardassian spy, killer, torture expert, tailor, whatever he decides, whatever lie he decides to tell you that day, Garrick. With Garrick, Sisko fakes a recording of a Dominion leader planning an invasion of Romulan space. And they present this recording to a Romulan senator. But the senator instantly recognizes it as fake. No worries though, because Garak has a backup plan. In fact, I think this may have been his plan all along. He plants a bomb on the senator's ship and blows him up. Sisko and Garak blame the bombing on the Dominion and the Romulans have no choice but to enter the war on the side of the Federation. A win for Starfleet. Just ignore the espionage and cold-blooded murder. If it helps, Sisko does admit he feels guilty about the whole affair, but when asked the question, would he do it all again if he had a second chance? Yes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.